The Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. DGENs Assemble. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains. I am your host, Justin Bruni. Joining me as always is my co-host and partner, Mr. Andrew, the TD King, Rob. And tonight we have a very special guest, our SGPN football doc, Sebastian Firon. How are we doing, gentlemen? What's up, guys? It's finally August. Football's almost here, baby. Super pumped, super pumped. Andrew, how are you, sir? Yes, sir. Good. Good. Uh, well, you know what? Let's save how I am until the end, because uh, after what Sebastian may tell us, that's probably going to dictate how I feel right now, because there's some uh, there's some potential injury stuff going on that is going to truly affect not only best ball for us, but uh, redraft situations as well. So uh, I would say good for now, but this could turn sour real quick. We do have a lot to cover, redraft, best ball conversations per our NFL injury updates via our PT, Dr. Sebastian Firon. Sebastian, we're just going to go back and forth here asking about some guys that maybe you've already talked about. I know you've been dropping some injury videos, some injury articles, some updates on players that are either returning from injury, they're dealing with injury now. Andrew, I'll just kick it over to you if you want to throw out somebody that you're, uh, you're concerned about. I know that we have a, a laundry list here to go through. Yeah, so I've been in the Zach Charbonnet camp, and fortunately, it looks like there's something wrong with the shoulder. Don't love that for a running back, especially his style of running back. He's a guy who likes to lay the wood when possible. You usually do that with your shoulders, not your head. Um, obviously, Kenneth Walker as well um, is, is dealing with some shit. So, Sebastian, can you talk a little bit about both of those? Mainly Charbonnet, at least for me, but I'm sure everyone wants to hear about that other running back, Ken Walker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Seattle's running room, running back room right now is looking a little shaky, like you said. Uh, so we can kick it off with Charbonnet, right? So right now it's still nothing's confirmed, right? So it says undisclosed. We know it's a shoulder injury. Now, they did use the phrase that he's out indefinitely. So really with any player, that's not something that you want to hear because that means that there's a potential for a long-term injury. So it's probably a situation where they're trying to get more opinions on it before they say anything because, you know, one route could be rehab and he could be, be back by the season to play. And the other route could be, hey, he might need surgery and he might miss a significant amount of time. So some of the kind of thoughts and, um, you know, kind of a little bit of hypothesis going out there is that it could be a labral issue. So your labrum is, you know, it's, it's in your shoulder joint. It's kind of something that provides more surface area. It provides a little protection for that shoulder joint. So our shoulder joint is obviously very mobile, right? We can move it around as much as we want, but that means that we need some type of protection. So your shoulder is the one that's most dislocated joint in the body. So your labrum plays a pretty big role in keeping that in place. Now, if that labrum is damaged, you know, most guys will try to play through it with a brace, but it's probably likely that it's going to keep subluxing, which is basically a mini dislocation 
over and over again until you actually get the surgery to fix it. So, you know, if it is a shoulder uh, labral issue, then it's something that he may try to play through, and it just might be how many times can he take getting his shoulder essentially popped out. That doesn't sound good. Then, yeah, yeah, going into – great. You guys ready for Walker? Yeah, 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 yeah go ahead. Actually, you know, just, just one thing with Charbonnet. So, if, if he didn't get the surgery now and took yeah. time off, how long would you expect – a team doctors to, to suggest that he really rests that if he's not going to go through some sort of surgery, but also doesn't want to, you know, sit out too many games. Like, like what's that like fine line. And again, I know this is just hypothetical and you know, you're not exactly diagnosing it, but like how long could he sit out if he didn't want to do the surgery route? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're talking rehab over surgery and it's something obviously PT is big into, you know, trying to get, that's always the thing, right? We don't want to put on people under the knife if we can prevent it. Um, so it really depends on the, the amount of damage, right? Which obviously the docs are going to kind of look at and see, you know, what we can do here. But this is a, a situation where probably, you know, around a month, four to six weeks is what you'd want. And thankfully, you know, he's got about five weeks before week one. So if he did go to the rehab route, it would be with the hope that he's back, you know, early in the season, week one, week two. That would be the only way um, as opposed to, you know, him doing the surgery where he's going to be out for several months. So typically when this happens midseason, um, you know, players try to play through it and they just plan to, you know, play through the pain and have the surgery in the offseason. Uh, Baker Mayfield had that happen not too long ago when he was still with the Browns there. Obviously a little bit different for the quarterback, but yeah, that's a situation where he's going to try to, play through it as much as he can okay yeah i guess now we can talk about ken walker whatever <laughs> yeah, i hope so, you have some better news here well I'm, i was gonna say you guys really starting off with uh <laughs> bad news but so ken walker um you know the the injury itself it's really the type of injury that scares me more so than the kind of what i'm hearing about it so groin injury um, so groin injury, you know, that's really an umbrella term, your groin, it's really talking about your abdominals, your, your inner hip muscles, right? So it's an injury to that. And it's one of those soft tissue injuries where the biggest thing here is re-injury risk, re-injury risk with these hamstrings, calves, they're, they're, they're a bit higher and it kind of limits a running backs cutting ability. And really what I'm worried about here is, you know, he's got time where they don't need to rush it, but he did have a sports hernia surgery last season. Like this is in the same general area. Like this is, you know, that that's concerning if it's any type of a re-injury to that surgery. We don't know for sure. They haven't come out and said that, but uh, you know, they're saying week to week where the expectation is he should be back by week one. But if this, this is something like he re-injures in and it lingers throughout the season, that definitely happens. I know uh, Angie probably don't want to think about this, but same thing happened to Curtis Samuel back in uh, 2021 mm. in that training camp where, you know, it, they were saying he'll be fine, he'll be fine. And then he kept coming back. And I think he, he finished the season with like less than 100 yards receiving. So right now we're not at that level of alarm or anything like that. He should be good uh, week one, but this is definitely something to monitor because groin injuries can turn bad real quick. So you're – you're, you're speculating between all of this, obviously, but if, if what you're saying is is truly, you know, quote unquote accurate here, should we be looking at like the RB3 on the team, RB4 on the team for potential best ball candidates at, at end of drafts? Is that a you think that's a, a move worth making, you know, currently? Um, yeah, so right now, I, I don't think so, just because I think we'll get some more clarity on the Charbonnet situation. And in, in by, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than a week. Right. So, you know, if, if this is something where he is going to 
play through it, then I think, yeah, probably not. But if it's something where he's going to get the surgery, they're probably going to bring someone in, honestly, because, you know, I think they, their, their depth right now isn't, isn't super great. So I would hold off on that for the second, really to find out about Charbonnet. Uh, but yeah, once you find out about the Charbonnet news and, you know, if it is something where he's going to get that surgery, yeah, you might want to start looking at maybe like a DJ Dallas or wait for them to probably bring somebody in. Mm -hmm. That's my sentiment. I feel like they'll bring in one of these free agent running backs, whether it be, you know, a Zeke, a Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, whatever it may be. I feel like that's the plug and play answer there. I don't know if they uh, trust DJ, uh, DJ Dallas enough, Kenny McIntosh enough to carry the bulk of their rushing offense. I think the biggest winners in this situation, you know, if we want to call them that or benefactors would be their receiving core, right? The JSN, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. I would just assume that we're going to get a little bit more of an uptick in the potential from the passing game if we're really completely ridden of the two potential starting running backs on this team, uh, whether they you know give it a go, get injured early in the season, aggravate their injuries throughout the season, whatever it is. I feel like this just lends more upside to Geno Smith drafters, the wide receiver drafters here, anyone that's been targeting you know DK Metcalf, JSN, or Lockett at any high value here. You know, My sentiment, my reaction to what you're telling us is, by the potential dip in Ken Walker, and it sounds like a complete fade in Charbonnet. I mean, that that's you know at least what I'm receiving of, from what you're sending here. Um, just because there's so much uncertainty with Charbonnet, it could be you know tomorrow we could find out he's out for the season. It sounds like you're a little bit more optimistic about Walker though. But again, even when I'm hearing it, it just feels like a situation where I could get him. You know, the first four weeks of the season, he aggravates his injury and then I'm missing him for the next four, you know, kind of like a Keenan Allen situation. They thought he was going to be fine. He aggravated his injury, was out for a long time, came back and he kind of did that back and forth until he settled into like I think it was like the last eight games of the season. Yeah, I'd, I'd honestly say the best advice right now on, on that situation in Seattle is just just wait a little bit. Right. The clarity should come. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we should start seeing, you know. Because, yeah, on paper, you know, he's Walker's got five weeks. He should be fine with the if there's being honest with a mild groin strain. It's not a re-aggravation. But you'll be able to tell pretty quick in videos once they start putting out, you know, how he's moving mm -hmm. and, and that rotation. Uh, you know, you can't really fake that. And then Charbonnet News, like I said, yeah, should be out pretty soon. So I would just sit, right. sit tight for a little bit and uh, kind of avoid Seattle's running back room for the next couple of days at least. Okay. I want to ask you about the San Francisco 49ers uh, quarterbacks, the uh, – the Brock Purdy injury. We also have Trey Lance returning from injury. He had an ankle uh, injury last year. Sounds like Purdy's getting a lot of reps with the ones. I mean, is he just going to be fine? I mean, no one was really expecting him to come back this early. The sentiment was by week one, you know, we're at the start of training camp here, and it sounds like he's getting in a lot of reps. It may not sound like the most impressive. I heard him, you know, fumbling, throwing interceptions, but he's on the field and, and he's getting uh, getting that work. Yeah, absolutely. So we can talk about let's let's talk about Trey Lance first because that that's an okay. easy easy kind of take at least on the injury side. So okay. yeah, from, from the injury perspective, you know he's he's good to go. He's medically cleared. You know mm -hmm. from that from that ankle injury, that ankle fracture that he suffered suffered last year that kept him out. Um, he's been good to go pretty much you know since the early spring. Um, so from a health wise perspective, he's good. Now I don't think I can consciously tell anyone to draft Trey, Trey Lance because I honestly think he's QB three right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I I don't really see him getting much playing time at, on the 49ers. We'll see if there's any type of trade situation or anything. Um, so yeah, from an injury perspective, Trey Lance is good to go, but from just, just a pure playtime thing, I, I don't really see it in the cards. Uh, mm -hmm. Getting over to Purdy. I think the biggest thing to understand here 
And, you know, there was a lot of kind of confusion is what exactly the type of surgery he had. So, you know, UCL tear, your ulnar collateral ligament. So ligament in the elbow here, obviously big in throwing. We mostly see it with pitchers. Um, mm -hmm. So it was completely torn. And really the decision is when we typically think of it, we think of Tommy John surgery. And when we hear Tommy John's, that's like a year plus rehab and a whole big thing. But what happened is he didn't actually get Tommy John surgery. He got a UCL repair. So essentially the UCL was not damaged to the point where they actually could just put an internal brace in there, repair the already existing ligament and go from there. Whereas Tommy John's, they actually completely remove the ligament because it's so torn and they take it from either your, a, a tendon. So even a different type of, of tissue and from your forearm or your hamstring. And that's why that takes so long. So I think the biggest thing is just, he got the repair, which is allowing him to be able to be ready for week one. So even then, you're looking at a five to seven month recovery time uh, expected. And, you know, from when he got the surgery to week one, he's looking at about six months. So it's absolutely possible that he could be a, a, available for week one. But mm -hmm. we just got to see now it's about getting that rust off and getting him back to throwing. Because like you said, like, yeah, that he's taking first team reps, but there was two fumbles and interception and didn't look right. pretty. So. It didn't look too purdy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Solid dad joke there. Who's your next guy, Andrew? I mean, I, I like what I'm hearing about Purdy. I mean, it just sounds like yeah. like you had mentioned there's a lot of rust there. Yeah. 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 I I, I agree too. I mean, I think that you know, Purdy's still the guy that we're gonna want to be drafting. I'm I'm a full fade on Trey Lance as well. So I'm right there with you, Sebastian. He if he's still on the Niners halfway through the year, I'll be surprised. I honestly think someone's going to try to pick him up on the low, and Shanahan will offload him for anything at this point, really. Uh, before we get to our next uh, terrible injury news led by Sebastian here, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, SGP Patreon. The Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon is perfect for the diehard DGen. Sign up for Patreon to get access to the exclusive contest, including the NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize, plus a monthly SGP story podcast and an ad-free uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being DGENs. There's even a Discord channel for all the Patreons. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon to sign up. Uh, let's see. So I know Javante Williams is a hot topic for everyone right now. You know, he's kind of going still right around the same range that Samaj P. Ryan's going on underdog. Uh, I'm, and I know Justin is as well. We have been loading up on Samaj P. Ryan since the get go. Uh, you know, since we could start drafting this off season, I think it's paid off for where we were getting him and where he is now, but we keep getting all this good news about Javante Williams. I, call bullshit a little bit what say you doc <laughs> yeah so this is actually a fun one to talk about because this is this is a very polarizing topic right now like even myself like this is something that i came in and when you look at the injury so i think what what some mistakes we typically make or, or you know when we're just thinking of we we lump all acl tears together and that's not really the case right so in a situation like this like javante williams he had his acl his mcl and his pcl torn right so ACL is a major stabilizing ligament in your knee, but it's so is your MCL and so is your PCL. So, you know, with these multi-ligament injuries, typically it takes a little bit longer. So, you know, for a normal ACL, we're thinking right around 10, 11 months is the average return time. And we probably push that back a month when you talk about multi-ligament things. 
So from the injury itself, it's a pretty gnarly injury, and I was I was coming in pretty pessimistic about Javante Williams this year. However, the fact that you know everything we're hearing right now, and a lot of teams will t- say that a player is ahead of schedule. I think that's like one of the best like favorite phrases that teams use is he's ahead of schedule. Same thing as like best shape of his life, right? But this is one of those situations where he is actually ahead of schedule. So big thing was he didn't start on the pup list. Um, and that really he's he's not been limited at at all in practice as far as you know they've he's been practicing every day and it's really been the team that's been holding him back. Now, I am not saying that I'm projecting him to have a breakout year. Uh, but what I am saying is that based on the injury, I would typically think it's going to be tough for that person to even be active early on in the season, uh, let alone get all the games played. Now, with the way the Javante Williams is going, if he keeps it up kind of at this pace, like he's looking like he may, he does have a good shot to be active early on and then get some carries there. Uh, I still don't think he's going to be quite as effective because it's just a really, really tough injury to come back from one year post. But it's a situation where I don't know if I can completely fade Javante Williams like I thought I was going to be doing, you know, when I first found out about the injury. It's interesting. Yeah, I just like I, I worry that this is a J.K. Dava situation. You know, I know the, the injury was similar but yet different. You know, Javante Williams, correct me if I'm wrong here, was worse than J.K. Dobbins was. And Dobbins, when he came back last year, was sluggish at best. Had a good, you know, yards per carry average, you know, did well when he was in there, but you could tell he just looked slow. So, you know, I, I just, I feel like Javante Williams is going to be good until there's real contact, right? Like, I think the real contact is going to be the, the the question one, it's in his mind of, I had this horrific leg injury. If I get hit again there, you know, ensue same injury potentially, or, you know, he's just, he's just going to favor that, that, that leg, right? Like he's not going to have the same kind of, same same kind of jump, same kind of burst, same mm-hmm. kind of spin moves. Like I, I just think it's all affected. And, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is is that like correct? Like it's just it's going to be different for him now, or or could he go back to the exact same Javante he was before? Yeah. So I think you bring up actually a great point, and I'm really glad you actually brought up J.K. Dobbins, right? Because I actually just did a video on this not too long ago. So I think you know when we talk about guys coming back from the ACL, majority of them have a dip in their performance the year after. Now, most people in their head, they, you know, have the Adrian Peterson example where he came back in eight months and you have that incredible season. That is a unicorn. That is totally one end of the spectrum I don't expect. The other end of the spectrum is closer to something like J.K. Dobbins, where his situation was actually a little bit worse than you would expect. So he had a ACL, LCL, uh, meniscus tear, and a hamstring injury. So his injury, a little bit different, but still big injury kind of in the same token. Right. And really his biggest thing was he had to get a second surgery because of all the scar tissue building up and he was limiting his range of motion. So, you know, when he came back those first four weeks, it was weeks three through six, you know, he looked pretty terrible. You know, he didn't look like himself at all. And then when he came back from the surgery way later in the season, he looked a lot more like himself. So I think, you know, it's really, I don't think we're going to expect something that bad, but I do think it's going to be, you know, somewhere closer to that side of the spectrum than an Adrian Peterson type. Typically, what they say is, you know, ACL, very mental injury as well, just like you were talking about. You know, it's a traumatic thing. It's hard to trust your knee to do what you've been doing your whole life. You have to relearn how to walk. Like, that is not something to take for granted. Um, and especially with these multi-ligament things. But 
I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as the JK situation because that was a little bit also unique in the whole scar tissue, second surgery. That's not super common. So, and I know this is the big thing for running backs, especially, but the, do you think throughout the whole year, if he does play and, you know, maintains a, a decent workload, do you think he'll still be limited? Do you think the efficiency takes a hit? Do you think recovery time, if he does take some sort of other injury, hamstring injury or something, will, will his current injury affect other injuries potentially, you know, how long the recovery time is, stuff like that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so now, yeah, kind of talking a little bit more in generalities, right. With people coming back from an ACL tear, especially running backs put one year, right. So anyone who comes back from an ACL tear has a higher re-injury risk for the next year. That is just how it is. And it's not only to that leg, but it's also to the unaffected leg, right? So we just saw, unfortunately, Broncos wide receiver, Tim Patrick, he had his ACL tear last camp. Now he just tore his Achilles and there was an increased injury risk from his ACL tear, right? So you, that, that is there with anyone who comes back from an ACL tear, especially in this multi-ligament case. Um, and yeah, I would say you can't just expect him to come back, especially early on and be the same running back, no matter how good he looks in shorts and in training camp videos. I think that's just kind of irresponsible to expect. Now, I think it definitely is going to be a situation where it's a little bit like JK and the fact that he might struggle early on and it might be a little bit hard for him to get his footing back. And as the season picks up, he starts to look better and better. But you're right. There's an incre increased injury risk there, uh, you know, where it's, it could be a situation where, let's say, you know, by week four, he's starting to look like he's hitting his stride a little bit. And then, you know, an injury pops up and that kind of derails it a little bit, too. So I think you're definitely right to be concerned. I've never really advise people that, hey, put a lot of stock in a guy coming back from an ACL tear. That's, that's generally going to not work out for you, right? The percentages are not in your favor for that aspect. Yeah, I'm targeting uh, P. Ryan at all cost here. He's one of my favorite handcuff running backs. I'm going to buy the dip that I'm going to, the little dip, I should say, that I'm going to get with him with all the positive Javante Williams news because I feel like people are starting to buy him at ADP. They're starting to prioritize him a little bit more, especially as popular as like zero RB approach is. You're still getting Javante Williams at a very friendly ADP. To me, it's not friendly enough. Like I said, I'm going to buy the dip here with P. Ryan. We've already seen Sean, Sean Payton use his running back two a ton in the past. He's actually gotten you know top 10 season out of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram at one point. So I trust what he can do with his running back depth. And again, if, if we saw an injury in camp or in preseason, I would expect them to go out and sign somebody, maybe even trade, trade for uh, Trey Lance, put him at tight end, put him at running back. Who knows? <laughs> And P. Ryan's also a dog, too. I mean, that you got that, too. Like, everyone's hard. So, I mean. Yeah. Want to stay uh, with the running back position here for the next one. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Tony Pollard coming back from injury? This team is not invested heavily Ooh. in an, <laughs> this team is not invested heavily in another running back as of yet. You know, they drafted Deuce Vaughn. Uh, they brought in Rojo, who's got suspended two games for PEDs. Rojo, what are you doing, brother? You're not even playing. And they also got to get on the field somehow. He's off it another two games at least. <laughs> um, and then they have Malik Davis there as well. So really some underwhelming names behind Tony Pollard. It seems like they, the people in the building have a lot of high trust in him. Fractured fibula. What was it? You had a injury date of 122. 
So what's his yep. timeline looking like? It sounds like he's there in camp and he's looking fine and everything's well, but is that an injury that you ex- expect that he could either re-aggravate or again have issues bouncing back to form that you know we've seen him in these past couple of seasons? He's been an explosive player. And right now he's got a top 10 running back ranking on Fantasy Pros, on Underdog. He's being drafted as a top 10 running back. Yeah, so before I give this take, let me see because I got to show. So I just want to show. <laughs> let's let's not forget this because this is gonna pain me to say. Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, I think Tony Pollard might have a pretty damn good year, and damn. this is not something that I want to say. Nor did I Hold think I was injury. gonna say. When I saw that injury like everyone else did in the playoffs. That that mm-hmm. I mean that shit looked bad. Yeah, it was it was tough to watch. Right. So essentially, what happened? It was a high ankle sprain that led to a fractured uh, fibula, like you were saying. So high ankle sprains, you know, are different from the low ankle sprains, typical role. This is where Mm -hmm. more so above your ankle, you have these ligaments that connect your fibula, uh, your two lower leg bones there. And sometimes when it's so bad that, you know, usually it's just the ligaments damage, but you can get a fracture like in this case. It's actually the same thing that uh, Darnell Mooney's coming back from too. Um, Now, the expected recovery time for that type of injury is about six to eight months. Pollard is still looking at about seven and a half months until uh, week one from the, mm. the date of his injury. And honestly, yeah, he's another one that he's, he's looked really good so far. Like all the reports are kind of raving and I've looked at some mm. videos and like, they're kind of taking, they have time to be smart with him and not rush anything, but uh, he actually looks, looks pretty good. Like he, so I kind of talked about it in the article, but basically he almost was at the same point or ahead of schedule as far as Darnell Mooney and Mooney had like two more runs of recovery time. Like he actually participated in OTAs and Mooney did not. And now both of them are Mm -hmm. are participating in training camp and and looking like they'll be on their way. So Mm -hmm. as much as it pains me to say, um, I actually think that one, like you said, the Cowboys are going all in on Pollard and he might actually be able to deliver. Yeah, I'm, I mean, un- I'm underwater. Him, but... I'm underwater on uh, Tony Pollard shares. I, I definitely don't have a yeah. ton of him in best ball. And I just feel like he has a very high cost, even given the situation. Like, do you see a scenario playing out where he could re-aggravate this? I mean, for, you know, healing from a, what, like you said, a broken fibula. Like, is that something that we could, you know, see an issue with in, you know, week six to eight? Uh, and, and at least in my eyes, like this offseason, when I'm buying him in like best ball, I guess that's just always in the back of my mind. Like, I just feel like, you know, this is a situation that might look good, you know, to start the season, but the wheels fall off. That's something. Yeah, no. So right, like any injury technically has a re-injury risk, right? But mm-hmm. this is actually one of those that that doesn't come with an inherently high one. You know, like your hamstring okay. strains, your ACL tears, your Liz Frank, your mm-hmm. Achilles. You know, those are ones that have particularly higher ones. This one actually doesn't. Uh, with the bone, okay. you know, bone just needs time. And once it's got that time to heal, it's it's typically pretty pretty good to go. And same thing with the surgery they did for the ligament there. Um, so yeah, from from the injury side of things, he's he's good to go again. I mean, I, I don't really want to be projecting him to have a great season because that probably means that uh, those cowgirls are are doing pretty well. Uh, but just <laughs> you know, trying to be unbiased, he's he's actually set up to be pretty pretty okay and they're obviously going to give him they're going to give him a lot of touches right where else are they going to go mike davis i guess or deuce ball yep. like he's mm-hmm. just yeah. he's going to be so involved in that offense and i yeah i get that he's he's definitely up there and you're going to have to pay a premium for him but mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to find, trust me, I'm trying to poke holes in his case, but uh, I'm having trouble doing it from there. I mean, they're probably going to sign somebody, right? I mean, they don't have anybody on that roster that fits a goal line back. So they don't, I mean, I assume you don't want to put Pollard in that. I mean, think about the goal line. Like a lot of times they're diving towards mm-hmm. your belt, you know, towards the, your, your thighs, right? Like, I don't feel like he's yeah. Gonna, yeah, I don't feel like he's going to want to take a bunch of helmets to the thigh, just breaking your fibula, right? Like, so I feel like they, they're going to have to sign somebody. I agree with Justin is his pricing seems a little too high. I think he should mm-hmm. be going either towards, you know, the, the middle of the third. I feel like I'd feel more comfortable with him. He's still, he's going in the second round right now with a re-injury yeah. case, potentially, you know, uh, a losing goal line work to whoever they potentially sign. Plus it's the cowgirls. I mean, you know, you know, you guys, they're, they're you guys whatever. Are so. me. You guys are killing me. I still draft uh, plenty of Aaron Jones. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge bears fan, but I still draft me a bunch of Aaron Jones. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean it's, it's been amazing. He's been absolutely it's, amazing. Yeah. NFC beast uh, is just different, Bernie. That's right, man. I guess so. You guys sound like uh, sounds like that scene from Friday Night Lights. Well, you from Midland? Yeah, you a doctor, <laughs> but you from Midland? What you know? You you from Midland? You don't know shit. I'm Booby Miles. <laughs> Booby Miles, all time all time great character name, by the way. All yeah, time, no, it's oh, a real man. person. It's not like it's a real person. It's based on a true story. So before uh, I ask you another question here about a, a different Tony uh let's talk a little bit about underdog fantasy because we are brought to you by underdog fantasy the nfl season's right around the corner and underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down on a ton of nfl player props and is available on a ton of markets plus plenty of opportunities to win in their daily mlb contest and of course make sure to enter the best ball mania four where first prize gets three million dollars 15 million dollars in total head over to underdogfantasy.com use our promo code sgpn for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Okay, and we're back. Party and, on, Party on, Andrew. And we're back. So, right. another Tony here I do want to talk about. Let's go to Kadarius Tony. And I just pulled up an article I was reading earlier about his surgically repaired torn meniscus. Uh, you know, it, it, in this article here, and again, I, I want you to correct me if any of this sounds um, wrong to you, but in the article I was reading, it says that there mm-hmm. is a chance he could potentially be ready for week one. Uh, it doesn't say that Andy Reid said that. It just says that, uh, you know, according to the team, he could mm-hmm. potentially be ready for week one. Do you think that that's a case? What's your thoughts on Kadarius Tony here? Should we still be maybe buying him at the dip here? Or do you think it's just going to be one injury after another after another with this guy? Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that pigs fly, right? So, I mean, <laughs> shit. No, I mean, so Tony is, you know, this one actually hurts too because uh, Kadarius Tony, former Gator, uh, you know, a big Gator guy. I went to my Giants at first and thought I was thought it was a match made in heaven. Was clearly a nightmare from hell. Uh, it's just, it, it's just. So this injury in particular, right? Your meniscus. Um, so he did have the meniscus surgery, uh, partial meniscus surgery. Looks like he got a debridement, which kind of means that they just take it out. So that recovery actually isn't too long. You know, we just saw the Jalen Ramsey news where he chose to get it repaired and keep that mm-hmm. kind of uh, cartilage in his knee, which is better for long-term health. Uh, that takes a much longer. That's probably like, I'd be surprised if Ramsey even does come back from that this year. Um, but 
someone like Tony, um, it's so it's not so much this injury. Like, yes, you know, first question, does he have a shot to come back week one from this injury? Yes, he does. Um, that would not be the craziest thing in the world. Now, I just have no faith in him to stay healthy. He's just not shown it. And even looking back at his college career, like he's just not consistently shown to be healthy. So it's one of those picks where if you want to take a risk and take a flyer, just know you are it's high risk, potentially high reward, right? Like, you know, thinking about what he can do on the field in an Andy Reid offense excites you. But then mm-hmm. looking at like just his games played and, you know, even when he does play, like how many receptions he gets and it's almost, it's just boomer bust, right? Touchdown or nothing. So it's just, you're, you're probably going to be dealing with that. Like I would be shocked if he plays, you know, even like, 12 games this year just it just always seems to be something with him um you know and he's a great talent great player but obviously it's just he can't stay healthy right it's just it's just hard to back him from that standpoint is the biggest thing this particular injury doesn't like you know scare me so much but it's just more so it's always something i did buy the dip good oh no i was gonna say more injury prone Kadarius tony or michael thomas don't get me pick. started on Michael Thomas. Listen, I've, <laughs> I've been planting this flag for the past three years, trying to tell people oh. not to draft him. Oh, oh, oh I, I've been on your side this entire time. I mean, this man stubs his toe and he's out for an entire year. It's like Brian Robinson gets shot twice, comes back. It, it just makes no sense. Michael Thomas makes no he's sense. He's played whatsoever. 10 games in the past three years, and people are trying to tell me he's going to come back to me in wide receiver one. His last time he had a productive season, Drew Brees was still playing. That was his quarterback. Like, well, come on now. That wasn't that long ago. Was that 2019? Drew Brees? Yeah, he was, he yeah. was on the team in 2020, wasn't he? I, I honestly don't remember. Yes. After COVID, everything just got blurry. So I'm not sure. No. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, no, but go, going back to Tony, I did buy the dip on him, like right around the injury. Um, I got him like 22 spots after ADP, and he was going at the same ADP as uh, Jamison Williams. So, you know, Williams missing six games, that kind of puts him almost on par with that 12 games played if he is fully healthy. So I, I don't hate that if I'm getting him at a significant discount just because I just don't know where the ball is going to go other than Travis Kelsey and that Chiefs offense. So I'm always taking my shots where I can, but I, I definitely don't suggest, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't you know want to buy him, uh, you know, at ADP, but I think there is a reality where, you know, I don't mind buying the dip or getting him at decent value. Yeah, I, I don't love that this guy's injury prone as my fourth most exposed wide receiver in Best Ball Mania 4 right now. So not not great. I'm definitely getting him at a bad number, which I hate. Tony is? Well, yeah, yeah, Kadarius Tony. I have 20% drafted of him right now. Oh, my, my gosh. Fourth most. How many, yeah. How many have I you mean, done now? How many are you up to? Uh, are you up to? Oh, we lost we lost the doc. So, yeah, he, he was like, that's enough Kadarius Tony talk. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, he's, my, <laughs> he's my fourth most exposed wide receiver now. The the thing that I can fall back on here is my fifth most exposed wide receiver is Sky Moore. So I do have a backup plan. Oh, okay. That's all. Uh, I have him at eighteen percent, mm-hmm. but I was just buying up Kadarius Tony, man. I mean, if he's right, sky's the limit in this offense. I'm I'm buying the offense as opposed to the player. So right. I'm also overweight on MVS as well. So I just Same I'm really here. just heavily involved here. But MVS and uh, Kelsey are the guys that I own the most of, and then I'm I've been creeping up on the Richie James stock as you know per the market everybody else is. I've I've seen him go in round 17, 18 now pretty consistently. So a lot of uh, you know the offseason he was going undrafted. You know, so definitely scooping up all the pieces because again, it's just a high volume offense. You're getting you know 600 plus passing attempts. 
you know, the most efficient passing offense in the league. There's just a lot to like. So looks like we've got the uh, the doctor back in. We'll swing it yes. right over to Michael. We'll Sorry swing it that, right over to Michael Thomas. No worries. No worries. So um, no, Michael Thomas, another very polarizing player coming back healthy right now. You know, he hasn't stubbed his toe yet. Hasn't broken a pinky. <laughs> I mean, just give me the, the lowdown on the injury. Taking things aside from last season, taking things aside from the narrative, just give me the hard facts on the injury and what your assessment is on him being, you know, 100% for this season. Because obviously there's a narrative of, you know, like Andrew's gone through this. He, he's just going to quit, right? He's going to get hurt. He's going to try to overprotect his body, you know, for the future. But, hey, what do you have right, right now, right? Obviously there's tons of players that play through injury. He's not one of them. So I think that is probably why he has the most risk is because he's not going to put himself at risk himself. But what are your updates on him coming into the season? Because right now he seems healthy. He's there. He's good. We're not seeing a bunch of splashy videos or anything, but we also haven't heard anything bad. Yeah. No. So, yeah, I will do my best to put history and all logic aside. and just we, specifically we'll, we'll save that. Oh, no. You can get into that. But I, I just want to hear I just want to hear like the lowdown on the injury. Yeah, no, absolutely. So dislocated toe that required surgery, right? Um, typically one around six to eight months uh, for recovery mm -hmm. timeline. He's got 11 and a half. So from the injury perspective, like this particular injury does not actually worry me. It, it, it's, you know, it's, uh, he should be good to go. He's been participating in training camp. Um, it's, it's just literally everything else about Michael Thomas. Got it. Uh, so we talk about something called mental resiliency a lot uh in the military and yeah that's just something you know where i just don't i don't think he has any he just doesn't we're not sending mike thomas spot. overseas that's for sure I, he just I doesn't the, like want to play football it like it's just I, crazy to me he's so talented i saw they did a chest x-ray and um they did confirm that he indeed does not have that dog inside him i heard he's charming ultra Man. soft right crickets after that damn tough crowd <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's soft. He's he's, he's like a, he's like ice cream on the inside. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, for this for the specific injury we're talking about right now, it's not a huge concern. He should be mm. good to go. We'll see. Just... Anything from his previous injuries that worry you? Yeah, the I mean the fact that one ankle injury took him a twenty games missed mm. to come back from like. It's really not even the previous injury. So the injuries itself, yes, but more so the way he handles them. Like, you know, there was the, the first one where he tried to rehab it. And then right before the season started, he decided to get surgery, which basically guaranteed he was going to miss the entire season in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was a similar thing with this, where it, it seemed like, oh, you know, I'm going to try to rehab it. And I think I can be okay. And he was stringing it along, stringing it along. And then he had surgery and then guaranteed he missed the rest of the season. So it's like, where a lot of those times now, you know, I'm always, obviously, I'm a physical therapist. Like, my profession is, you know, rehab, 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 right? So, if someone's going to choose to do rehab, that's, I'm not going to knock them for that. But to wait all those months and then right before the season starts, decide to get mm -hmm. surgery, like, that's kind of just an FU to the team at that point. Like, right. there's plenty of guys that you should get your, you, you should know, especially with the first injury in 2020, he should have known well before that, that rehab wasn't going to be able to fix it. Uh, the dislocated toe is a little bit harder within the injury, but or within season, excuse me. But yeah, that's the biggest thing to me. It's like it just seems like anytime something gets hard, he just gives up and is a ghost. So 
I can't wait for the Michael Thomas truthers to be in my mentions at the start of this season again, and we'll see how it ends up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's hard to be a truther, but I do feel the price it doesn't scare me. You know what I mean? When I'm getting him in best balls, like my fifth or sixth receiver, I just don't feel like I'm exposing myself to a high amount of risk in the big board. He's my fifth most exposed receiver. He doesn't crack my top 15 uh, in best ball mania, but you know, early on, like you were just getting him at such a huge discount because again, he is a super polarizing player. So if you go, you know, naked wide receiver, if you go RB heavy early on, and you get him as your third or fourth, like, is it really the end of the world? Yeah, it is if he quits, for sure, if he fades out. But if he plays in the majority of the season, I think it's an immense value. And the same thing goes if I go zero RB and I get him as my fifth, sixth, or even seventh receiver, it's just a huge value. I, I just feel like I'm not exposing myself to a ton of risk because I'm backing it up with other ADP that should put me in line with you know either reliable starters at receiver and or my flex position. So that, that's just where I stand with it because I am someone that drafted a bunch of him earlier in the offseason expecting him to play certainly more games this season than he's played in the last three years combined. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't really argue with that at, the, at this ADP, like you're saying. Like if we had the conversations the past two years where he was going much higher, that's where it was what much more like stomping mm -hmm. my foot, like no way you should be drafting him this right. high. Like that's a, that's a great point. This year, like, you know, I think – it's almost been the narrative that everyone's fading him. So you're right. If he does, you know, prove the haters wrong, you could be mm -hmm. looking at a great steal. So I think you brought up a great point there. Yeah, I, th I th think the presence of Chris Olave helps a ton too. You know, when he wasn't there, you know, three years ago, people were thinking, oh, he can still be the top guy. Then next, you know, last year it was Chris Olave's a rookie. So, oh, he can still be that guy. But now with how good we've seen Chris Olave be, you know, a rook rookie receiver going over a thousand yards in this offense that really hasn't been that great. I feel like that kind of shelters his value a little bit. So I, again, I'm, I'm good at buying him where he's at and you're certainly going to get in situations where he's falling down the board and it's a very, you know, it, it, you can just talk yourself into it very easily. It's, it's just not a, a crazy scenario to say that he does play in 10-plus games, again, more than the three years combined. But at the same time, I, I get where both of you are at, the mentality issues. You know, he can easily just quit on the team. Hey, you know, they're adding pieces left and right at the tight end position. Who says he'll even be a huge priority? People are talking about Jimmy Graham getting 1,000 receiving yards this year. That's <laughs> absolutely insane. Yeah, that's insane. That's, that's, that's borderline illegal. It's not a bad bet to make, though. I mean, I don't want to do it in fantasy, but I could throw a couple shekels down on Jimmy Graham potentially having I, a thousand yards. I mean, I just want to see Jimmy Graham dunk in preseason on the goalpost, yes. and that's about it. You know, that's yes. that's about it. The man <laughs> that changed the rule book. <laughs> um, so I'd like to transition over to the Ravens. Uh, I know we talked about Dobbins a little bit, but. Rashad Bateman. So I've been in Zay, the, the Zay Flowers camp since he came over to the Ravens. Think Zay Flowers mm -hmm. could potentially be their best wide receiver. But Rashad Bateman did have, uh, you know, that connection with Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously, he had that cortisone shot He's uh, in his foot. He's on the pup list. So explain to us plebs who don't understand, like, what the cortisone shot exactly does, how it affects what he's going to be able to do on the field. And honestly, like, is he going to be able to be right the entire year if he starts outright? from you know week one yeah no this is this is a great one yeah so bateman is is one of those where it's it's tough because i was actually pretty high on the ravens coming in i thought he's actually a great fit for that offense 
but you know, right now things are, are not looking too great. So uh, he, he had a pretty major injury, Liz Frank injury. So that talks about your midfoot. It's either your bones or ligaments. They're either fractured or, or torn uh, in there. It's a lot of instability, requires surgery. Very, very big injury to come back from. So typically you want around 10 to 12 months from uh, his injury to week one. He's looking at just about 10 and a half months. So he has a pretty tight timeline as it is, and he looks to be behind schedule. So the original hope was that he would come back in June for the minicamp and, you know, get some reps there. That didn't happen. In fact, he came back in that cortisone shot that you were talking about, right? So why do they do that? That basically means that, so they put screws in your foot to kind of stabilize that area for a little bit, and they eventually take those screws out. And that was around the point where he was getting his screws taken out, and there was some pain and inflammation kind of when that was happening. So that was what they did the cortisone shot for. But what that tells me is that it's not going as smooth as you would want it to, right? So obviously he's still on the pup list. You know, they haven't really brought out any timelines on when he's getting off. And, you know, it's it's getting to that point where if he misses a couple more weeks, like it's going to be really hard for him to be ready for week one. Like this is already an injury where you see decline in performance the year after the injury, even if everything goes smoothly. So the fact that, you know, we've got already some some red flags in the offseason tells me that this is Bateman's going to be someone I probably am going to stay away from at this point. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot for him to, to really get me to back on board. But at this point, yeah, he, he's a concern for me. Give me a percentage on re-injury risk of the mm-hmm. same injury. You, you think it's over 50 percent that it happens this year? No, no, not of the no. same injury. No, the 50% is, is crazy. No, like that, that's, that's too high. I mean, it is elevated, elevated, uh, for sure, but you're talking closer to like 15, 50%. No, not, not 50%. Now, I mean, it depends on what research you're looking at though too. Right. So I try to stick to most of the stuff with NFL or at least young athletes, but you know that some of that research isn't always available, but yeah, not definitely not a 50%, but it's a situation where, you know, it's going to still take him a while to come back from this injury. Like just because things are healed does not mean he's a hundred percent ready to go. Okay. Yep. okay. What about, uh, what about OBJ in that offense? He's still coming back from an injury. People thought that he was going to come back last year. Uh, any update on him? I mean, both those guys have really low numbers on underdog for like their season uh, receiving yards, both uh, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, obj they're all like right around like 600 i think obj is at like 575 it seems like the market is yeah it seems like the market is really indecisive on all of these guys and to me it still feels like if this offense is going to be what they say it's going to be a lot more passing a lot more downfield and sideline to sideline route running it should be opening up a lot of opportunities for obj but the the constant response that i get is that he's washed he's just going to get hurt again he's old He's just going to you know, have higher chance for re-injuring himself. I, I don't know if he's healthy. I just feel like it's a great opportunity to buy at. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's OBJ is someone, uh, you know, beginning offseason, I didn't think I was going to really be in on at all. But with the Bateman news, with the change of the philosophy, uh, and with just the low projections, like you said, yeah, I saw the 575 number. And, you know, if, if he plays like really 12 games, he should – clear that pretty easily right i mean in my opinion with with that offense like uh so the big concern is the fact that he's not only come back from one but he had two acl tears and kind of back to back there so that's always concerning right you know the more injuries you have in general it's not great but especially the same ligaments like that's that is concerning for sure but he's he's had 
more than enough time to recover from yeah. this one, right? Two, the fact two that Super Bowls ago. Yeah, like the fact that he could have returned, you know, they were talking about last season. I think it was a smart pro- move for him not to because they do say with an ACL tear that it can take up to two years to get your normal movement patterns back, right? We mm-hmm. saw it with Saquon, uh, you know, when last, the season after his ACL didn't look that great, and then last season he came back looked a lot better, right? So it, it's just, you Close know, that year eight. two is where I really like to get that. That's why I'm a little bit higher on Dobbins. I think that he has a potential for a breakout year because he's coming year two off that injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so OBJ, yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking he's going to be like a world beater, but I think, you know, for him to be a wide receiver two in a, in a pretty high functioning offense, like, I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Like I'm actually finding myself, you know, the, the less I'm liking the Bateman situation, the more I'm agreeing with you guys. Like, you know, the target's got to go somewhere. Obviously Andrews is going to get his, but if they really do want to throw the rock around a little bit, like. Someone's got to catch it. So either Flowers or OBJ, you know, kind of decide which one you want to pick there, if not ride them both. Okay. Yeah. You have another one, Andrew? So I, I, I mean, Justin, if you have any other players to ask him, that's fine. I have two just kind of general dot questions for him that um, I heard on a different podcast and I really want to get his his take on it. So if you have any other players, yeah. feel free to I wanna, shoot uh, I want to ask about uh, Cooper Cup coming back, still being drafted as a top five wide receiver, coming back from injury, looking good on the field in training camp with Matt Stafford, also coming back from injury. If you wanted to maybe touch on that connection a little bit, because I think that, you know, fantasy football drafters want to know if they can rely on that, you know, that combination bringing home the gold like it did a couple of seasons ago, you know, for, you know, fantasy championships, making the playoffs, et cetera. Cooper Cup was on pace to, you know, be the wide receiver one last season before going out. Did, did you see today, by the way, that he left practice with no. injury? No, yeah. I did not. You asked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it says severity of it unknown. Uh, said he exited uh, with training staff after appearing to hurt himself on a red zone route. Uh, let's see here. The he did not. Uh, McVeigh did not speak to the medical team before his press conference, so he had no update. Uh, it's possible Cup's injury is only minor, uh, but we have no further information. Everyone is holding their breath in quotes. <laughs> so not great there, but let's let's pretend that he didn't leave practice today with an injury and <laughs> go from there. Yeah, wow. I was going to say, when did that break? I, I, I did not see that uh, today Four yet. minutes ago, this. I, I did see earlier today that someone had a video of something that said, like, uh-oh, looks like Cooper Cup went down, and I saw nothing, so I just looked it up. Literally four minutes ago on the ramswire.com. Uh, Cooper Cup practice with apparent injury, severity unknown. I see it. Yeah, five minutes ago. Yeah. So yeah. not great there, but let's pretend that, that didn't happen and go sh- shoot from the hips. <laughs> let's say they're just being cautious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that would obviously change everything, right? Uh, yeah. No, because the concern, you know, ankle injury, he had a tightrope surgery. So that tells me high ankle sprain. Um, yeah, so he, he basically had a pretty, pretty gnarly high ankle sprain that he required surgery. Um, I don't think he, it's similar to the, what we talked about with Pollard and Mooney, but I don't believe he had a, uh, broken fibula. It was just the high ankle. Those ligaments were damaged enough to need repair. Um, yeah, I was expecting him to be (laughs) good to go. Uh, you know, from the injury, from the first injury perspective, he, mm-hmm. he, uh, he should be ready and fully good to go by the season. Obviously, whatever happened today completely changes. It may change things. It may not. We'll see. Um, what Does it say anything about body part, about where or anything like that? It said he came up lame. 
Uh, says, they, yeah, it uh, looked like he came up a little bit in the red zone route. So it looks like he maybe held himself up a little bit. So I, mm-hmm. I would assume probably some sort of leg lower body injury. But it said uh, McVeigh had not talked to medical staff before speaking to the media, so did not have an update on Cup. Okay. Yeah, and the biggest thing is there is what side, right? If it's the same side as this uh, surgery, obviously raises your concerns a little bit. Um, and just, yeah, what it is. So we'll have to I mean, definitely see, definitely scary for someone you're going to have to be risking so much to get. Yeah, I mean, it could be cramping, right, too. Like it says, it looks like he came up a little bit in the red zone route. I mean, I've I've been running before where kind of I get cramped in like my hamstring or my leg, and I kind of like hold myself up a little bit. And so, I mean, could it just be something like, just cramping it. It has been hot out there. Yeah, absolutely. You've seen some guys like Deontay Johnson and, and some other players mm-hmm. that uh, kind of had to leave practice early for heat stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, the fact that, it, you know, there was no cart, there's no cart involved or anything, right. He was able to walk off or. Uh, I didn't see anything about a cart. No, it's just walked off the field with training staff. So he did not cart yeah. it off. Let's hope for the best. Yeah. So, yeah, let's let's hope for the best there. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, we'll have to get with a little more information there. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's somebody that, that we definitely want to monitor because he is going ADP wise like four, top three, top four. Yeah, so definitely somebody that you don't want to invest heavily in if he's not going to be there for uh, you know the majority of the season. Uh, any other guys you want to talk about here, Justin? With the doc, no, fire away. All right, so. Two, two questions here, and they're all it's all generalized just about injuries in the NFL. Um, the first is criticisms of diagnosis without examination. So essentially, like all of us uh, TV doctors here that are watching TV, we're like, oh, man, he went down. Like we all oh, that that looks terrible. Right. And the next thing you know, we see, oh, it was just a cramping. He'll be back next week. Right. Like so talk to us a little bit about for those of us watching games and for those of us who are on Twitter all the time and see all the Twitter docs on there saying like, oh, it looks like it's this or it looks like it's this. Mm-hmm. And like. What is your criticism of diagnosing without examination? Do you think that there's any um, value to it? Uh, is there things that we could read into that's like, oh, that's a hot topic word there. That means something like anything like that. Yeah. So this is a tough one, right? Because it's one of those things where you're basically doing a very, very incomplete exam, right? So the biggest thing, especially with with therapists, I know, and orthopedic docs there, it's it, we like getting our hands on patients. You want to test and you want to be able to do that. And cl- clearly we can't do that. That That is – so really everything is a little bit of a guessing game. And I think part of it is, you know, it just in our culture, society, everyone wants that kind of instant news, instant type of thing where they just – they want something. So I think that's where it's mm-hmm. kind of gotten some popularity and stuff like that. But definitely none of it should be like a medical diagnosis. Like you really can't diagnose someone just based on video. Like, cause like you said, like who's to say that it's not just a cramp or that he just, you know, has a pretty severe, or he actually has like a severe hamstring strain. Like we don't know. Right. And, and a lot of that is, you know, part of doing that on field assessment and exam, and then as well as the imaging too. So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely something that I think is popular because people want to know and people are curious but you just got to be careful because, you know, you, you don't I, don't I try to shy away from that, um, mm-hmm. too, just because it, it's one of those things where you I mean, if you say someone has it's like you're confident someone has an ACL tear and it winds up just being a bone bruise or something like that. You kind of just look like a jackass. Like, I mean, it, it, it's tough because some people want to know and, and they definitely like are like, hey, what's going on? Stuff like that. 
But that's why I typically like to wait until we at least get more indication from whether it's the sideline during the game or whether it's a coach saying like, hey, it's the shoulder or, you know, sometimes mechanisms of injury, you can clearly tell. Uh, and, and some things like that. I mean, like we talk about the Joe Burrow thing that can't news came out pretty quick, but the fact that he was already wearing a sleeve on his, his right leg indicated that there's something going on there. The fact that he could still plantar effects his foot tells. Damn. Piecing some things together. And I think that's fine. But I think when people start saying like, Hey, you know, he definitely did this, or I think that this, you know, he, he did this, or he has this, like, you kind of got to be careful because you're, you're only looking at not even half the picture. Like really, in my opinion, like 25, 30% of the picture. Mm-hmm. For all okay. you know, it could just be the quarterback needing to go to the locker room and take a shit. A la Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, really. And I mean, even in that situation where you get the imaging, like there's something like I always think about, uh, you know, rib fractures and things like that, where they'll get an initial x-ray and it'll come back negative. And then the week after like, oh wait, he actually fractured his ribs. Like that happens actually a lot because rib fractures in particular are something that's really hard to see right away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the more tests, the more time is, is going to be more accurate, but you got to be careful just kind of throwing things out there, even though it's, it's very common because, you know, people obviously take to it. It's, it's polarizing. It's, it's kind of like sexy to be able to say, Hey, I correctly, you know, diagnosed this, but just mm-hmm. think it's a day. And I wasn't even in the blue tent. Play. Yeah. Um, so my, my last, my last general question here is, uh, so how do we determine how limited a player will be on Sundays or Thursdays or, you know, whenever they're playing, uh, is there something that we should be looking for, uh, in the injury notes? Is there something throughout the week that will kind of lead us? Because a lot of times, you know, some, some coaches like to play coy on some of these guys, right? Like we see like, uh, limited in practice the whole way up through Sunday. Right. But then they're out there playing hundred percent of the snaps. Like, well, what the hell? Well, why was he limited if he's like, so I, I, I just want to know a little bit better. So when I'm setting my Sunday lineups, I can look and say like, all right, like I saw this throughout the, throughout the week, this is what Sebastian said that we should be looking for or reading into. So how, do, how would we determine how limited a player will be, you know, for, for how we think maybe uh, his usage will be that week? Cause normally when we see a player is limited in my mind, I'm like, all right, it's probably not going to play a hundred percent, you know, like maybe he's going to get 80% of his normal work. Like, is there anything that we can, you know, kind of look at that to indicate what, uh, you know, how to determine how much of a limitation they'll have? Yeah, no, this is, this is a great question. And I think this is like part of the reason why I enjoy doing what I do. Right. Like this is one of those things where I, the best answer is it depends because there's so much it depends on. Right. Uh, But you know, not, like you were saying, not all questionable players are the same. Not all injuries are the same, not all situations. So it's really like piecing together a puzzle. So first you got to look at the injury and figure out, you know, what's what gameplay aspect is that going to affect. So I always talk about, you know, let's say for a hamstring example, hamstring strains are, are you know, something that sometimes people downplay a lot, but it's, it's pretty tough because once that thing gets re-injured, which is pretty likely, it's going to knock you out for a while. But if you got someone who's more of a bigger receiver, they're more of a possession receiver, the hamstring is going to bother them a little less than if you got someone who's someone who's a flyer or someone who's got to rely on their jump ball ability to really use those hamstrings to get out there. Right. You're just putting yourself at a higher risk. Um, so you got to look at the injury itself. You got to look at, you, you got to find kind of videos or different notes about what's going on in practice. Now, some teams it's easier than others. Right. So obviously like you're saying, like a Belichick isn't going to say shit. 
So you really just got to kind of, that one's a little bit harder to grade. Um, but you, you really want to kind of get the report to the camp and then you really got to kind of know some of the background of the injury, which is why I, you know, love putting out the articles each week. Uh, we got, uh, one of the articles I put out is breaks down each injury by injury type and kind of things to expect. Um, so, you know, that should be in the, in the draft guide there to, to help people kind of answer some of those questions, but you know, it, it's a little bit tough cause there's not really like, like a cookie cutter blanket, like, you know, look for this. Cause it just, it just really depends on the injury and what your injury risk and really you got to look at the player's injury history as well. I think plays, plays a big role in kind of, you know, how have they been able to handle injuries? Cause if you look at someone like, uh, even I think about, uh, Patrick Mahomes when the playoffs with the high ankle sprain, like a high ankle sprain is not some little deal. Like you roll your ankle on the basketball court that we all think about. Like, I think some people are mistake like get that mistaken. Like high ankle sprains are very limiting and they, and they suck. Like, you know, most, some of them require like surgery. Like it's, it's a pretty big injury. So like, I was amazed at the fact that he even did what he did, you know, throughout that playoff runs. Cause once I heard that he had high ankle sprain, I was like ready to fade the chiefs at like at all costs at that point. So, you know, some of it also just depends on who the player is. Like if, right. if they are really someone now, you know, if Michael Thomas would have had that, he would have seen him until 2025. I mean, come on. Come on. No, it's, it's a you great know. question. It's honestly part of the reason why I love doing, you know, this stuff. And I think why there's a lot of other people in the profession get into this. Cause it's, it's like a puzzle. It's like seeing any patient, you know, you got to take different aspects. You got to kind of piece it together and you may never, you're never going to know for sure, but you can make that educated guess, you know, based on your injury type, based on the news, how they're progressing and you know um, what you're hearing from the beat reporters and stuff like that, how they look at practice. Didn't uh, Saquon Barkley return from a high ankle sprain after like three or four weeks, and it was like an eight week timeline for return or something like that? Yeah, but he didn't look great at all, all right. after that. Yeah, I mean that that season was was very rough. That was when he was coming off his ACL too. Like that mm-hmm. was just yeah, that season's that. Let's not talk about that season. Let's talk about the Giants as a playoff <laughs> team. <too. laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I love that's about as opt- that is about as optimistic as I can be. No, Saquon's <laughs> awesome. He's fantastic. But I'm just like another Sean example of uh, just another example of someone just being a you know a physical dog. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. that Mahomes is a beast by any means. But you know, if you watch that quarterback docu series, you saw what goes into you know his uh, his rehab. You know, through the week, whether he's you know injured or not injured. You know, just you know going through the, like the the bumps and bruises of being in the NFL, just because. You know, like as they say, it's like getting in a car accident every single Sunday or at least once a week. So uh, it's nice yeah. to see, you know, kind of that process, how you go from, you know, rehabbing the body to getting it to a more, you know, like explosive, you know, you know, potential rate for that uh, upcoming week. You know, how he just kind of like eases back in and then right, you know, whatever, whatever his last workout day is, he's, you know, doing a ton of explosive stuff because his body's more refreshed. So always interesting to see that. Um, we got uh, someone in the chat, Andrew, who I should Oh, oh, wasn't really the today's topic, but uh, if you're picking fifth overall, Andrew, you want to you want to take that one? Is it Tony Pollard? What is it? Ten man PPR league. I'm picking fifth overall. I mean, if Tyreek Hill is there, I'm probably taking Tyreek Hill at five. If Cup isn't injured from today's uh, news, I take Cup there. Uh man, after that, it's kind of a whoever you want between Diggs, AJ Brown, Austin Eckler, in my eyes. So any of those guys, you could also take Travis Kelsey as well. Uh, it is a 10-man. You know what? I changed my answer. 10-man PPR. It's, you have better options. Answer. You have more options. Take take Travis yeah. Kelsey. 
Yeah. Yeah. Travis Kelsey's the easy, easy answer there for me because it is a 10 man league. Uh, what they say after that, and if you have time, uh, oh crap, my house. We don't. <laughs> Said if you have come, time, how should come back. two and three go realistically? <laughs> yeah. Come back, uh, come back Thursday and uh, every so, other Tuesday, Thursday for our pod. We'll definitely uh, get to some uh, some more content round yeah. two. Hit round us up on Twitter though too. Uh, right there, you can see my Twitter handle below my name there uh, at a rob twenty three. Justin's is in there as well. Sebastian is yours at sgpn football doc right? It is. Yep. Yep. All right. So for all injury news, refer to the doc. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, I just I just want to let Sebastian know because I can see into his future. When uh, Stefania Bell from ESPN retires, uh, Sebastian will be taking her spot <laughs> uh, as the new face of the injury analyst for ESPN. So uh, just remember, you saw him on the SGPN Fantasy Football uh, podcast first. Hey, you know, that's that's the dream. I actually got to meet her at a conference uh, a couple of years ago. She's she's pretty awesome. So that'd be, that'd be awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, I think you would fit fit well over there. Uh, you got a you got a face for TV. Uh, you know, that, that that never hurts. I think I think that's probably one thing that, that really helps to find you as well as, uh, you know, she was easy on the eyes, but uh, very good at what she did. And I again, I listened to shout out to Establish a Run on the podcast. Uh, I did listen to her break down some. Um, some analysis on injuries and you know that's where some of these questions stem from but she was in the business like 20 something years before she got the espn gig so uh hang in there sebastian you only got a few more years <laughs> <laughs> all right sebastian appreciate you coming on we're gonna have to do it again soon everybody else take care be well be good if you can't be good be good at it we'll see you